For the month of August 2020, the Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine has released Consult Series Number 51. This is on thromboembolism prophylaxis for cesarean delivery. So in this podcast, we're going to summarize the main findings from this Consult Series from August 2020. You have to love whatever you do. And at Clinical Pearls, we love medical education. Venous thromboembolism, or VTE, is a major cause of maternal morbidity and mortality. The estimated incidence of VTE during pregnancy and the postpartum period is about 1 to 2 per 1,000 deliveries. The risk of VTE is particularly elevated during the postpartum period and especially after cesarean birth. The American College of OBGYN currently recommends that all women undergoing a cesarean delivery receive mechanical prophylaxis using pneumatic sequential compression devices, which start pre-op and continue until the woman is fully ambulatory. The guideline also recommends that all women be screened for risk factors for VTE. For women with additional risk factors, individual risk assessment may support the use of combined pharmacological and mechanical prophylaxis. Furthermore, ACOG recommends that if such risk factors persist during the postpartum period, pharmacological prophylaxis for up to six weeks should be continued. Although there are several guidelines available that help define the risk for VTE, including the American College of Chest Physicians guideline, ACOG doesn't recommend any one guideline for when to use chemical prophylaxis or pharmacoprophylaxis over other guidelines. But most people are familiar with the American College of Chest Physicians guideline on when to use chemoprophylaxis or pharmacotherapy for prevention of thromboembolism after C-section. According to the American College of Chest Physicians, they say that prophylaxis with low molecular weight heparin should be suggested when one major or two minor risk factors are present, or when one minor risk factor is present in the setting of an emergency cesarean delivery. Here are the list of major and minor risk factors according to the American College of Chest Physicians. For the major risk factors, these include immobility for at least one week antepartum, postpartum hemorrhage with surgery, previous history of VTE, preeclampsia with growth restriction, antithrombin deficiency, factor V Leiden or G2210A mutation, blood transfusion, postpartum infection, systemic lupus erythematosus, heart disease, and sickle cell disease. The American College of Chest Physicians defines the following list as minor risk factors. Remember, according to this college, when two or more minor factors or one minor factor is present in the setting of emergent cesarean delivery, then consideration should be given to Lovenox. These minor risk factors include obesity, multiple gestation, postpartum hemorrhage, smoking, fetal growth restriction, preeclampsia, or protein C or protein S deficiency. Here's a quick clinical pearl. This is why ACOG doesn't endorse any one scheme or guideline for thromboprophylaxis over the other because they each have their pros and cons and they're kind of different. For example, the Royal College of OBGYN recommends that all women who have an intrapartum or an urgent C-section be considered for thromboprophylaxis for at least 10 days after delivery. 
the RCOG considers an intrapartum or urgent cesarean delivery as a intermediate risk for VTE and recommends prophylaxis with Lovenox for 10 days postpartum. However, if additional risk factors are present, then it should be continued, according to the RCOG, up to six weeks postpartum. And again, ACOG does make that note, and SMFM, that if high risk factors are there, then thromboprophylaxis should be continued for six weeks postpartum. Interesting to note that the RCOG only makes a recommendation for chemoprophylaxis or pharmacoprophylaxis with Lovenox for patients who have intrapartum or urgent C-section because it makes a distinction or the exception that patients who undergo elective schedule C-section do not need this pharmacoprophylaxis unless high-risk factors are also present, which at that point should push the thromboprophylaxis for six weeks postpartum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Despite some differences in the guidelines, for certain subgroups of women, recommendations from available guidelines are consistent. In general, all women with a previous episode of VTE require prophylactic doses of low-molecular weight heparin or unfractionated heparin for at least six weeks postpartum. Similarly, women with no previous personal history of VTE, but who have tested positive for one of the high-risk inherited thrombophilias, which include antithrombin-3 deficiency, homozygous factor V Leiden, or G2210A mutation, or heterozygous for both factor V Leiden and G2210A, should also receive pharmacological VTE prophylaxis after cesarean birth. For women with no previous VTE who have a low-risk thrombophilia, postpartum pharmacological prophylaxis is warranted because a cesarean delivery is an additional risk factor for VTE among this subgroup of women. So once again, those who have no previous history and have a high-risk thrombophilia by blood testing, and even those who have no previous VTE but have a low-risk thrombophilia, still postpartum pharmacological prophylaxis is warranted after a C-section. Women with a previous diagnosis of antiphospholipid antibody syndrome should receive prophylactic or therapeutic doses of heparin, depending on previous history of VTE, during the puparium, irrespective of mode of delivery. So again, remember, all guidelines agree in these caveats. If a woman has antiphospholipid antibody syndrome, she should receive at least prophylactic or therapeutic, if she has a previous history of VTE, even after vaginal birth. And of course, in medicine, nothing that we do is ever without some kind of risk. The potential benefit of pharmacologic prophylaxis needs to be weighed against the potential for adverse outcomes associated with its use. The use of pharmacologic VTE prophylaxis after cesarean has been associated with increased rates of wound separation and wound hematomas, 
the number needed to harm with the use of pharmacological VTE prophylaxis after C-section has been reported to be as low as 200. All right, podcast family, as we come to the final recommendations from ACOG and Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine, here's what some people have raised. Well, look, you've got all these different guidelines and risk ratifications of who should get prophylactic or therapeutic anticoagulation with medication. Why don't we just make it universal? Look, you get a C-section, you're going to get some Lovenox. Well, at present, the available evidence suggesting universal or even near-universal pharmacological VTE prophylaxis effectively reducing maternal mortality is, in fact, limited. After the implementation of prophylactic guidelines in the UK, a decrease in maternal mortality secondary to VTE was noted between 2004 and 2008. So that's good, right? Well, however, more recent analysis found that the reduction had not been sustained with an increase in VTE-related maternal morbidity and mortality after 2009 when compared with the initial reduction noticed in previous years. So any attributable benefit of universal pharmacologic VTE prophylaxis after C-section on maternal mortality will likely be low because of the rarity of the event. All right, let's wrap up with the key recommendations from SMFM. SMFM recommends that all women who undergo a cesarean delivery receive sequential compression devices starting before surgery and that the compression devices be continued until the patient is fully ambulatory. SMFM suggests that women with a previous personal history of deep venous thrombosis or PE who undergo C-section receive both mechanical and pharmacological, that's up to six weeks post-op, prophylaxis. SMFM also suggests that women with a personal history of an inherited thrombophilia, either high-risk or low-risk, and no previous thrombosis history who undergoes a C-section, receive both mechanical and pharmacological prophylaxis for up to six weeks post-op. The two most common agents for prophylaxis for VTE are low molecular weight heparin and unfractionated heparin. Current guidelines recommend low molecular weight heparin or enoxaparin as the first line pharmacological agent. So that's a clinical pearl. Enoxaparin has a half-life of four to six hours and is eliminated by the kidney. So it is not recommended in patients with significant renal dysfunction defined as a creatinine clearance of less than 30 mLs per minute. All right, now for the residents out there, if you're asked why low molecular weight heparin over unfractionated, here's the answer. Enoxaparin or low molecular weight heparin has the advantage of better bioavailability, longer half-life, more predictable anticoagulation effects, less bleeding risks, and less risk of heparin-induced thrombocytopenia and osteopenia. So remember, SMFM recommends the use of low molecular weight heparin as the preferred thromboprophylactic agent in pregnancy and the postpartum period. All right, now let's talk about specific dosages as we wrap this up. For purposes of prophylaxis, the recommended dose of enoxaparin or low molecular weight heparin is 40 milligrams sub-Q once a day. Obese women may require higher dosages. However, the optimal dose in obese women is unknown. Some evidence supports the use of an intermediate dose of enoxaparin, which is 40 milligrams sub-Q, Q12 hours. This is in obese women. 
Other studies suggest that compared with a fixed-dose regimen, like 40 mg sub-Q, Q12, a weight-based prophylactic dose of 0.5 mg per kilo given sub-Q every 12 hours in morbidly obese women after C-section results in anti-XA levels that are more often within the desired prophylactic target range. But it is unknown if this latter strategy of 0.5 mg per kilo sub-Q every 12 actually results in fewer thrombotic events. So as of now, women should receive pharmacological thromboprophylaxis who have class 3 obesity using the intermediate dose of enoxaparin, which SMFM defines as 40 mg sub-Q every 12 hours. Lastly, let's cover timing. Prophylactic doses of enoxaparin, 40 mg sub-Q every day, may be started post-op as early as 4 hours after the catheter is removed, but no earlier than 12 hours after the neuraxial block was performed. If you're using an intermediate dose, remember that's 40 mg sub-Q every 12 hours, or a therapeutic dose, then you can still start as early as 4 hours after catheter removal, but it should not occur any earlier than 24 hours after the block was first performed. In addition to concerns about spinal hematomas, the risk of post-op bleeding should also be considered in the timing to start prophylaxis for VTE. With prophylactic doses of anticoagulation, bleeding complications are usually mild, like wound hematomas, and they rarely result in life-threatening hemorrhage. Unlike bleeding risks with the use of full-dose anticoagulation in the post-op period. In cases with significant intra-op bleeding complications, the decision of when to start pharmacotherapy must be individualized while recognizing that postpartum hemorrhage, blood transfusion, and prolonged surgery are each risk factors for VTE. So in these cases, initiation of unfractionated heparin, which is reversible and has a shorter half-life, may be the more prudent option. All right, podcast family, that brings us to a wrap. We have covered the August 2020 SMFM console series number 51 for thromboembolism prophylaxis after cesarean delivery. We're so glad you're part of our journey. Thanks for listening to Clinical Pearls, and we'll see you next time on another episode.